Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. We're currently under attack from YouTube, and uh, uh, we've had two strikes against us this week. Um, and that's, that's never happened before to us. But uh, I was thinking, man, what, what, did they, what did they get upset about? You know, because I've, I've attacked everything from the Wuhan China virus. I've attacked vaccinations. I've attacked uh, you name it, Great Reset. I've went after it all. And I still hadn't been removed. And so this week, what I figured out is that they, they took two strikes against us for a particular video I did about two weeks ago or a week ago. And in that video, I talk about Christian persecution. And I talked about how congresswomen and congressmen had sent a, a letter and a document to Biden wanting them to start declaring the religious right as white nationalists, Christian nationalists, racists, conspiracy theorists, and whatnot. I mean, it's in the document. There's nothing I made up. It's right there. This is what they sent him. I named the players who were involved in this, and these are just simply government congressmen and congresswomen, uh, no one I made up. And what I realized, I was talking to Jan Markell about this a while back, is the, the, the algorithm picked up Christian persecution. Because before that, one of her shows got taken off, apparently, I guess, she was mentioning Christian persecution. I think another one uh, was about the Holocaust, or it was a combination of both, or something like that. I can't remember. And her, her program got taken off, and it was like, how, why would you find that offensive to talk about the Holocaust or Christian persecution? And I, I started realizing, oh, I, I get what they, they don't want happening. They do not want us reporting about how bad Christian persecution is happening in the world and even here starting in America. That's a, it's a cover-up. You never hear stories of how many Christians are being slaughtered in, by Boko Haram or in the Middle East or how the, the Chinese Christians are functioning there in that repressive regime. You never hear anything about that. And, and so the fact that I guess that persecution, Christian persecution, or even Jewish Holocaust or anything, it trips it. It trips it, and, and apparently that's something they don't want out. Now, I want you to think about that. Of all things, why did they pick that one up? Because it's satanic. It is what's happening. It's true. And they don't want people to know that this is even true. So that's why you never hear about it on the news, and you know you won't. You have to go to other websites like Voice of the Martyrs or other uh, persecution websites and, and find out about this. But I will say this. We've had more Christians persecuted in probably the last 20 years than any time in Christian history, even going back to the Roman days, and you don't hear about it. And it's coming our way as well. I mean, so, okay, so YouTube, it, it's a soft persecution. Okay, so... Uh, our free speech is being removed, obviously. I'm an American citizen. I have the right to free speech, but yet YouTube doesn't believe that. 
And so we're working on a way, um, we're, we're moving to another platform called Cloudinary. We're going to look at Rumble. We're going to look at Parler and these other things. And we're moving in that direction as we um, move our audience. It takes a while. I can't just do it in one day. I have to move the audience very slowly uh, over to these new platforms. And so those of you who are watching online, that's where we're going. And we had to give another... Uh, uh, YouTube account today that we we are streaming right now on because we couldn't use our own platform. So this is this is what I'm talking about. We we create a channel. We can't even use our channel now for two weeks. So we 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 fortunately have another channel that we're using, and hopefully hopefully our at home virtual church audience got our text alert and has found us. But if they didn't, unfortunately, what happens is they'll lose us. They won't see us. And so that's my concern. So we're working on a solution, but I've got to, I've got to move the, the, the virtual audience over. And that will take a while. So hopefully within this next six months or a year or whatever, we'll get everybody over to these new platforms. And on this platform that, that we're building through Cloudinary, it's ours. No one can touch us. It's we man it. We upload any video we want, and we can't be touched. So that's that's where it's all going. Uh, you can count on YouTube for doing nothing to protect free speech. They are clamping down on it. You know, the funny thing is, I can't talk about Christian persecution coming to America, but they can talk about Muslim martyrdom and all kinds of crazy, whacked-out things, satanic things. Uh, anything could, is is okay as long as it doesn't go against their narrative. The minute you go against their narrative, they shut you down. And, and you and I have got to get prepared for this. It's, it's happening now. It's happened to us. And so the war is on. And so that segues into where we're at today in our text in Exodus. And I've entitled this message, because as, as we're in a holy war, our focus in a holy war, because Obviously, we're in a, uh, we've been in a holy war for a long time. It's happened since the fall of Satan, the fall of man, and this holy war continues. And it's, it's getting ready to burst on the scene in a greater way. And we know about prophetically the tribulation will happen. It's the ultimate in the holy war where actually Jesus comes back and, and goes to battle, goes to war physically with the enemies of him. And so it's heading this direction. So what that means for us is as we're still here and haven't been raptured yet, we're going to see this war ramp up like we are now. And this next year, don't expect it to get less, expect it to get more of a holy war. Well, the issue then in a holy war is to understand who the fighter is. The fighter is God. God fights in a holy war. He fights against the forces of evil. The thing about you and I in, in these holy war that we're in, we have to be just simply obedient and we can't lose focus. Now, what I mean by that is we got to know our mission. We got to know what we're about, what we're supposed to do, but we also have to keep focused in on the Lord. Now, I, I say that and that's more of a broad term, but let me explain what happens when you don't. Israel will gonna, is going to get into a, a situation where they're pinned in on every side. They're hemmed in. They can't move. They feel trapped. On a human level, they, it, they are trapped on a human level, but not on a divine level. God knows he's going to provide a way of escape for them. 
That's what's happening to you and I. We're getting pinned in. We have no place to go. We have no recourse. You can't even use our court systems because they're all working against us. And so you start feeling this entrapment that, man, what, what's happening here? But that's okay. That's okay. On a human level, it looks like that, but really God is going to provide a way out. Now, if you don't focus in on God's way out and what he has for you, you will start becoming afraid. Fear is a big motivator for a lot of people in our society right now. This last year is a year of fear. It was a psychological warfare, and people felt afraid. And look what they did. They, were, they made people so afraid. They shut down the economy. They shut down society and made people stay in their homes afraid. And from fear, out of that comes then victimhood. Out of that comes focusing in on the wrong uh, focus, which is the enemy and what they're doing. And please understand, I'm not saying not, not respect the enemy. You have to. In fact, Paul admonishes us to know the wiles of the devil, to know the schemes, the plans, the agenda of the devil and what he's doing, but not so much to focus in on him, but to see what he's doing through the lens of Scripture, knowing that our focus is always on God. And that's the balance we have to keep. You got to know your enemy, know what he does, but keep God in the picture. What happens to Israel, and it will continue to happen to them, is they will lose focus. They won't incorporate God into their thinking, and so they will exclude that and then just focus in on the enemy, focus in on Pharaoh or whoever the, the person might be. And this will be a, a problem in Israel's history, and now you're going to see the outset. But again, we bring it back to ourselves. You're going to feel pinned that you have no place to go, nowhere to run. But that's okay on a human level because God is with you and will make of a way of escape for you. So let's watch this. And we're going to learn from a bad example. But that's usually sometimes how we learn the best from bad examples. And we're going to watch Israel's reaction to this. So let's recap a little bit. I'm going to read some scriptures, show you some pictures before we get into the text that I'm going to study today. And just to remind ourselves, we studied this part last week, but just as a refresher, we'll start in verse 1. It says this, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before uh, Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal, Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. So just as a refresher, let me show you on the on the maps um, where they're at. They have traveled all through here. Now they're down here by the Red Sea. This is the uh, Gulf of Aqaba. It's called the Reed Sea or the Red Sea. And this is where they're traveling. They're coming down through here. And they're, this is the path that they took. And you can go winding through that. And you'll end up with Pihahiroth right here. This is called the Mouth. And this is where they come out of, this little canyon. And these are about 2,000 feet elevation of mountains. And they come out to this beach called Nueva Beach. And this is the Gulf of Aqaba. This is the beach they're at. This is where they come out of. So as you can see on a map, to the north of them, nowhere to go. South of them, nowhere to go. Red Sea, nowhere to go. And Pharaoh is right here. He's bearing in on them right there, and they can see him. 
And that's how they lose focus. They see where he's at, and they have no place of escape. So we're going to see what, what happens. So let's continue on and refresh our minds what we studied last week. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will say to the children of, of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, so they're confused. The wilderness has closed them in. So yes, it looks like they're trapped. And this looks like a perfect setup for Pharaoh to recapture Israel and re-enslave them. But in essence, it's not Israel that's going to be captured, it's Pharaoh. He is the one that's going to be trapped. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So God strengthens Pharaoh's heart to continue to do what he's going to do so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all of his army. So God's going to get glory from this. That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Okay, So it was told to the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And we talked about that last week, and that's where we stopped, and we talked about how they're just bent on Israel's enslavement and destruction, and nothing's stopping them, even the ten plagues. This then becomes the ultimate in a holy war. God is very gracious to, to Pharaoh and Egypt. He's given them plenty of chances to stop doing this. But they're going to push it all the way. And because they're going to push it all the way, it's going to not only destroy Pharaoh, but it's going to destroy the entire Egyptian army. Everyone. Because Pharaoh pulls out everyone on this. And you think, what's, what's wrong with him, man? This is a group of people, the Israelites, who are not even armed. They're not even uh, warriors. They, they don't even know how to fight. And yet he's pulling everyone out. All the military is coming towards Israel. That's the trap, because the whole military will be destroyed. So we pick up in verse 6, and this is where we start unpacking things. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. So let's camp a little bit on the chariots a little bit. The chariots, archaeologically, had just been uh, created right before the Exodus. And so it was advanced military weaponry now. It, it would be like, you know, someone getting intercontinental ballistic missiles all of a sudden, being the first one in an arms race. Egypt was no, the number one power in the region. But now it has an advanced technology of chariots. And this makes them the most powerful army on the face of the planet during that time. So Pharaoh pulls out all stops. He brings all the military, all the new chariots, and his charioteers to the game. Now, one of the things I want to make mention of about the chariots, because I'll come to it when we get to the Red Sea crossing, is some of the chariots had four spokes, as you can see in these pictures of, of Egyptian chariots. And some of them had six spokes, as you can see in these uh, pictures right here. And obviously, in hieroglyphs, you can see the six spokes. And you can see the six spokes in this hieroglyph. And in some of the, the uh, hieroglyphs, you can see eight spokes. And so um, they used four, they used six spokes, and they used an eight. And I think we have one more picture. You can see that in the relief. Okay, so basically, that's etched in stone. That's what they had. 
And so therefore, we should assume to find archaeological remains of these kinds of things. And we do. And particularly, not only have they found archaeological remains in Egypt or whatever, of the, of the chariots, there's archaeological remains between Nueva Beach and Saudi Arabia, we call the Gulf of Aqaba, and the land bridge that goes from, from both places across the Red Sea, there's a land bridge, and in this land bridge, it's basically all sand, by the way, but along that path are coral-encrusted shapes of chariot wheels all along the ocean that have not been touched, have not been messed with ever since the crossing. And, you, you know, in, in, in nature, there's no right angles, there's no exact circles, but what I'm point, point, trying to point out to you is you will see these coral-encrusted shapes in fours, six spokes, eight spokes, all through the bed of the Aqaba uh, seabed that's still there. And I'll show you that, but the point I'm trying to make about the chariots, they were invented at that time, used against the Israelis, and that weaponry was destroyed by Yahweh, and the evidence of that destruction is still on the seabed. Amazing. So every time you look at a, a, a story like this from the scriptures, God always backs it up with evidence, and it's big-time evidence, and no one wants to talk about it, man, I'll tell you what, because it is so out there, it is so evident, man. Anyway, we'll see those next week. Verse 8, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We talked about that, that just means to strengthen his heart, to carry out what he wants to carry out already, without being afraid to carry it out. So he, he, he's already charged up to do it. And he pursued the children of Israel. And again, pursuing the children of Israel, why? To recapture them, bring them back as slaves, because they're, they're a major source of economy. And also, uh, the satanic uh, influence on Pharaoh is to wipe out and destroy the Jews altogether. Anyway, here's the key point I want to make, make, and we'll do some application. And it says this, and he and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Now, this is an interesting phrase. The children went out with boldness. This, the term boldness is not, it's not, uh, the English word is not a good translation. It's a Hebrew idiom. The Hebrew idiom means with a high hand. And to understand with a high hand, it means to rebel, simply, to rebel, that uh, you see this in Old Testament, like when someone rebels against God, they'll sin with a high hand. It means that they know better, they know what the, the, the law is, and they go ahead and they do it knowing that it's an affront to God and an abomination to God, and they rebel against Yahweh with a high hand. Well, in this context, the Hebrew idiom is being used for the Israelites, but in terms of Pharaoh. So what, what you, you need to understand is the term is being used by Moses to show you there is, is good rebellion and there is bad rebellion. Bad rebellion is to rebel against God. At that point, what Moses is trying to say is Israel has the right to rebel against Pharaoh because Pharaoh refuses to let them go and worship him. 
and be their own nation. And there's where I want to bring it into our picture. You and I have every right today to meet together. According to Hebrews 10.25, we are supposed to gather. It doesn't say unless there's coronavirus, unless there's the Wuhan China virus, unless you're afraid to meet. It doesn't say that. Hebrews 10.25 gives no qualifications. It's not there. Because it doesn't, it doesn't allow any exceptions. It is a command. And I've made that abundantly clear, but I'm telling you what, the pressure is going to come on us in this next year. Because they're aiming at the churches. They're really going to clamp down on them. And so, you and I are going to be put in a situation to whether you're going to obey God, we're going to obey God, or we're going to obey man. It's going to be that kind of choice. And you're going to have to prepare yourself. Now, let me give you some practical application on this and, and just how it flushes out. Here in Bakersfield, and obviously people watching around the world have seen stores and restaurants, restaurants go out of business because they can't stay in lockdown mode. They just can't make a living. And, and so we're watching here in Bakersfield, uh, stores and restaurants that we that were here for years are now out of business. And, and we're looking around the landscape and what's going to be left? Just McDonald's and Jack in the Box and these chains? Is that's all going to be left? The mom and pop stores are intentionally being destroyed. And, and unfortunately, People are letting this happen. Now, I, you know, I get the, the jam that the store owners and the restaurants are in. I get it. But my goodness, how long can you stay in lockdown and keep your business? You can't. And so my thing is, on a, on a practical level, on a business level, is anyone going to stand up and say, we're done? We're, gonna, we're not going to close our businesses down. I need to put food on the table. I need to do what I need to do for my family and my employees. I can't just put them out of work. Is that ever going to happen? Now, I know a few remnant businesses and remnant restaurants here in town are still going at it, still trying to survive, and God bless them because i got to give them credit for standing against this unlawful closure of our society. Good for them. But what about all the other ones who are just caving in, throwing in the towel, surrendering, and giving up the ghost? What's going on with them? The same will be true for the churches. What you're seeing in the, the, the community here in Bakersfield is, going, is already happening in the churches. And let me give you a little insight, and I think I've shared this with you before, but I think it's, it, it bears in mind because on a personal level, this is coming to your doorstep. When we came, we, after this coronavirus thing settled down, so to speak, and we got the facts and the evidence, we decided we're going to go back to, to, to worshiping again and having Sunday services. And we started on Pentecost with, uh, with a lot of other churches in Southern California. Um, and I'm telling you what, what I've seen as a pastor, that was a turning point. It was a turning point. And let me explain this turning point. 
what happened was we, we, we came back and I basically told the congregation, I said, hey, look, we're underground right now. You know, don't be inviting people that are not like-minded, okay? In fact, this is not a good time to be inviting people um, that are just looky-loos and they're trying things out. No, no, we need like-minded people. And you know what happened? I, I, I could write a book about this, How to Grow Your Church. Tell your people not to invite people. And we doubled in size. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. So that, I think that's a God-honoring thing that God saw that, you know what, you're going back to work, you're going to you follow in Hebrews 10.25. I'm going to add people that are like-minded to you. Okay, so it didn't stop there. The other thing that was a major turnaround for us is not only the people that came with us, but also the finances. Now, I don't talk a lot about finances because too many churches emphasize that way too much. But let me explain something to you that's pretty neat. Um, when we made that turning point, our financial situation changed because in my mind, I said, oh my goodness, we're going to die. We're going we're gonna to get hammered financially. We're not going to make it. We're not going to have a building. I mean, we're done. And again, that's my sin of worry and anxiety, and I've had to confess that and move on uh, and ask for forgiveness. So what ended up happening is after that turning point in June, July, and then moving into all the way to December, I, I saw the numbers, uh, some of the numbers for December. Every month, we have tripled in contributions since that time. Now that, I can't humanly explain that. That's a God thing. Now, from a human standpoint, I looked at this whole shutdown. I'm like, we're done. I'm hemmed in. I have nowhere to go. We, we have the north, south. I got Pharaoh breathing down my, my back, and I got uh, the Red Sea here. But you know what happened? Because we were obedient, he made a way. And a super abundant way, right? To where triple the amount, double the amount of people. It's crazy, man. That's a God thing. But what am I, what am I trying to say? If you can take that church example, if you take Israel's example and then apply it to your personal life, the stands you're going to have to take in your personal life in this next year, I can testify he will do the same for you. He somehow will make a way that you didn't see. It will happen, but you've got to be obedient and trust and have faith and don't get your focus if, focus on the enemy, what they're trying to do to you. So anyway, let's continue on. And we're in verse 9 right here. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea beside uh, Pihahiroth before Baal-Zaphon. So again, he's got them. He's trapped them. There they are. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Now watch. Did you notice in the text what Moses pointed out about their eyes? Okay, yes, physically their eyes are moving, 
But Moses is trying to make a spiritual application about where they're looking. Please understand the context. They're, they're on Nueva Beach, and the Shekinah cloud is there with them. And at night, the Shekinah glory is in a flame pillar. So it's not like they can't see Yahweh. He's right there in their midst. But Moses says they did this with their eyes. They took their eyes off Yahweh, and they put it on Pharaoh. That's significant spiritually. It's the same thing that occurred with Peter as long as he got out of that boat and, and Jesus called him out on that boat to walk to him. He could walk on water as long as he focused on the Lord. The minute Peter took his eyes and put it on the waves and the wind, what did Peter do? He sank and the Lord had to go and rescue him out of that water. It's the same principle. The eyes of the Israelites focused on the enemy. And look what happens. Look at the first thing that happens. So they were very afraid. Why would they be afraid after watching Yahweh's 10 plagues? Why would they be afraid? The Shekinah is right there. What would they be afraid of? What is there to be afraid of? Because they took their focus off. When you take your focus off, your faith drops and you start looking humanistically at the enemy and your resources, and you don't have the resources to fight that enemy. But again, this is a holy war. In a holy war, you and I don't have personally the tools and the ability to fight against Satan and his fallen angels and demons. We don't have the ability to do that because God has to fight in a holy war. He has to go before us. And so this is what they're not understanding. And so they do one thing that's okay. They say, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. That would be... That would be a good thing, and that is a good thing, but it's, it's, there's underlying things behind it. It's like, Lord, help us, but I know you're not. You know, that type of thing. Because the minute, you know, they don't turn to faith, they turn on Moses. And so it was kind of, yes, that's what we all need to do. We got to turn to the Lord. But if you just turn to the Lord and say, help us, and I don't really believe you're going to help us, then that's not faith. Because look what they did to Moses. Verse 11, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Okay, so this is not like a, 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 a sincere question. This is sarcasm at the highest level, and they're ticked. They're, they are being jerks to Moses. And so the idea was there are not enough graves in Egypt. Now, everybody, including Moses, knew that 75% of the land in Egypt is graves, okay? There's plenty of graves. Pyramids are graves. This is where we get the concepts of mummies and stuff like that, obviously, when we study Egyptian. They, the, the Egyptians in their religion were, were not only idolaters, but they were a culture and a cult of death. They celebrated death. That's what they focused in on, and that's why 75% of their land was tombs. So when they say this to Moses, was there not enough graves in Egypt? That's sarcasm. They're being jerks to Moses. In fact, they're not just the simple type of jerk. They eventually will want Moses to die. They will want to kill Moses. 
So this generation, they're, 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 they're a hard bunch to deal with, man. But don't get too hard on them because the Apostle Paul said they're an example of us. Yikes. <laughs> I hate to think like that, right? But they are. They're like us. That's what we do. And so as you continue on, he says, the Israelites are saying to Moses, why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Verse 12, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? That's Exodus 5. But here's what they're doing. Hey, they're kind of rewriting history. You dragged us out of Egypt against our will. We told you, Moses, to leave us alone. We should have stayed there. And this, isn't it funny that when people become afraid, they instantly go after their leader? Instantly go after the leader. If you're in any leadership in ministry, I guarantee you, when stuff goes wrong in someone's personal life, they're going to go after you. Guaranteed. It's happened to me like a hundred times. I can rest assured on that one. It's my fault. Okay. It's my fault for things not working out in your life for sure. Right. But if you want to blame me, go ahead. That's fine. But anyway, that's part of what happens spiritually. They start blaming people. Now, when people start blaming people, it's through fear, and that fear makes them a victim. They're a victim. Look what they're saying to Moses. We told you we didn't want to come. You dragged us out of here, so to speak. Moses didn't drag them out. They had a free choice of accompanying Moses in the Exodus or not. He says, if you want to go, this is what you need to do. And they did it. So see how funny they want to rewrite things to be the victim, and they went against their will. We didn't really want this. It's like, come on, man. You know good and well you wanted to leave. And now you're pining to go back? What is this? Let me tell you what it is, because it's going to tell you what's going on in America. It's called a slave mentality. A slave mentality is one that would rather have limited rights and hardly any freedoms so they can enjoy the little crumbs that they have as a slave. Now, who would pick that? They did. They wanted to go back, and they will continue to badger Moses to go back. Now, this slave mentality does not like the responsibility that comes with freedom. It does not like having to trust in Yahweh for its protection, its provision, and so the slave mentality would rather go back and have Pharaoh take care of them, even though they had limited rights. I want you to think about that, how it relates to America. For the last four, maybe five decades, America, Americans have been groomed with this slave mentality. Now, what do I mean by that is this. Most, most of the younger generation, the millennials, the Generation Z, have been indoctrinated 
in schools with this mentality. And in this slave mentality, it doesn't look for freedom and responsibility. It looks to entitlement, victimhood, and that the government take care of all their needs. The government to them becomes their God. Instead of relying God solely by faith and living this free life, people are choosing, I would rather live in my little comfort, eat my little crumbs, and have my little material possessions and maintain them, and I will do what the state tells me to do. You just give me my personal peace, you give me my little crumbs, and I will do what you say. That's a slave. That's the majority, a growing majority of the younger people who have been taught this slave mentality. We have lost in the younger generation the ideals of what it is to be an American. What our founding fathers based, the freedoms that we enjoy today was based on the freedom the Bible talked about. Responsibility. Our founding fathers would rather die free men then live for a, a miserable life as a slave under Britain. And yet, because of the indoctrination, the younger generation has a slave mentality. Let me tell you this. Where do you think that slave mentality is going to take them? Once we're raptured and it, it, it goes full bore into one world government, Antichrist is on the scene, the perfect setup is happening. This next generation, all of Europe, around the world, has a slave mentality, and they will be slaves to the Antichrist if they don't break away through Jesus Christ. They will be slaves to him. And, and so we're watching our country go away from freedom to enslavement, a totalitarian regime giving enslavement. It's pretty sad, isn't it? But it is happening, and it's the same mentality you see in the Scripture. Now, with that being said, let's, get, let's do some application real quick before we wrap things up. We'll see the Red Sea party next week. Obviously, Israel's in a holy war. They, they, they have to realize that God's going to fight for them. So their focus must be on God and see things through that lens, the enemies and whatnot. Okay, so obviously the focus has went off God onto the enemy. Okay, how does this happen? Because it's going to be important for you and I to know in this next year that this doesn't happen to you and I. Because you're going to get hemmed in. You're going to feel crushed. You're going to feel, I have no options here, man. What am I going to do? They're going to present to you all kinds of weird scenarios well, here's the deal that, that you start flushing out about Israel and this whole principle about the focus. When you focus away from God, you will start focusing on what you don't have as far as resources, as far as... I mean, you think about Israel. They didn't have the resources militarily to fight the number one military in the world, but yet they had Yahweh with them. They forgot about Yahweh's a warrior and he can fight for them. So what starts happening to people is they start looking at their own resources and that makes them afraid. This is why a lot of people are kind of going crazy a little bit 
um, uh, you know, with preparing for a nuclear holocaust, man. And I'm all for preparing for days ahead. I'm all for that. But you can go over the edge on this stuff. But I know in the back of my mind, I can't fully put all my trust in that. I have to keep my trust in Yahweh, in Jesus. Because if I get my focus focus off of him, I'll just keep looking to my own resources, and that will make me very paranoid, very afraid. Because the enemy is way bigger than you and I. It's in every sector of society. So that's that's what starts happening. The other thing that starts happening is when the person takes their focus off of God, they start asking these questions. Why is this happening to me? Notice that they use the word why when they question Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? Why, 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 why? And so that starts happening to people who have lost their focus in on God. The right question to ask God when you feel hemmed in and you have no place to turn is, Lord, instead of asking why, what do I need to do? What do you want me to do? Now, what you'll see next week, and this is the question that Israel doesn't ask, so Moses has to tell them, shut up and don't move. Could it be that simple? Yeah, sometimes it's about shutting up, quit complaining, just shut up and watch God work. So basically, in a nutshell, that's what, this, the, the message will be from God to Israel. I need you to trust me at this point in time. Quit badgering me with the whys. Why is this happening to me? When you start saying why, that, that means instantly you're going into victimhood. Why, why, why? No, you should be saying, I expect this, man. I expect this. I'm living for Jesus. I should expect all kinds of opposition. What do you want me to do, Lord, is the right question. Not the why. And so Israel starts doing the why. And Israel starts figure, looking at the situation, trying to figure out the situation. How are we going to get out of this? It's not theirs for, their, to, for them to figure out. It's Yahweh to figure out. And God will figure it out for them. But see, that's what starts brewing in our minds when our focus is off of God. We start putting together a strategy or a plan in our own heads of how we're going to get out of this mess. And we don't consult God. When we do that, you will not see all the options available to you. You're blinded to the options. Do you think Israel saw the option of the Red Sea parting? No. And that's what happens if you solely focus in on the enemy. You will start coming up with your own plan. Don't do that. You'll get jammed up pretty quick. Always incorporate God into that plan. Let me give you, show you a, an illustration from World War II about the right focus. Um, this, this was used in Normandy on D-Day, and, and these, these little burlap sacks that are made into three-foot-looking uh, humans, um, these things were used by the British and used by the uh, American forces. These are called Rupert's and the Americans are, were called Oscars. Anyway, they were just burlap and straw, and they had 
they, they, they threw them out of the planes with parachutes, and they did it on another side of the Normandy invasion to get the Germans to focus in on these paratroopers, which were fake, and start shooting at them. And it worked. Uh, so the Germans saw these paratroopers, and obviously there were the, the fake ones, and they start shooting, wasting their ammo on it. And it allowed the successful invasion of Normandy. Now, we had a lot of people get killed, so did the British on that invasion, but we could have had more. But it allowed for a successful invasion. We took that beach and established a beachhead because why? The Germans had their focus in on the paratroopers that were fake. And that, that's, that bought some time and allowed us to take that beach. Anyway, so that you go to museums and they have these, these little paratroopers there that they use in World War II. But what's the point? What's the point? If I can reverse this and, and the way Satan will use it, Satan will come to get your focus in on these fake paratroopers, so to speak, all these, these enemies that are all around you. And he will do so, so that when you focus in on that, he will come around the backside and establish a beachhead in your soul somewhere and then use that to gain victory over you. So be careful about the distraction. So for instance, we talk about it all the time. Like for instance, George Soros or Bill Gates and, and the Great Reset. Those are real. We need to know those things. We need to know what these people are doing. We need to be aware of that. But it can't be our sole focus. Because if you just focus on Bill Gates or George Soros or Fauci or any of these other crazies, Biden or Harris, that's what Satan wants you to focus in on. He does not want you focusing in on God or his plan. He also doesn't want you to see the back door. And so be careful of your focus in the days ahead. The trusted focus is keep your eyes on Jesus and don't take them off. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.